I've really messed up in life. I'm mostly good, but I still have my issues. I still have my alcohol, drugs, and sex. It's better than where I was. God gets me. Dear listener, how is partial obedience really working for you? What truth is down way deep in your soul? Good morning, and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in Wilkesbury in the Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as a disciple of Christ, stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. If you miss the radio program, then look for God's Resistance Podcasts on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube at 9 a.m. every Sunday where these are uploaded, and you'll find other content on there as well. You can find us at GodsResistance.com and on Facebook, Twitter, Gab, YouTube, and Rumble at God's Resistance. And that is spelled G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. You can contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. Today we're going to be talking about obedience. We're going to be talking about how you are blessed by obedience in the Christian life. And we're going to be looking in 1 Kings chapter 20. Now, 1 Kings chapter 20 uh, is is talking about Ahab. And Ahab has been talked about in a few other chapters before this. But Ahab was a king in a successive line of wicked kings, five kings uh, to be exact, that were uh, before him wickedly. And some conspired to kill the king that was before them. So in these five wicked kings that were before Ahab, they wanted to be the king, so they conspired, killed that man, set themselves up as king, and then so on and so forth, and multiple ones of them were killed, uh, or you know, God just moved them out of the way, and now Ahab has become king. And Ahab himself is a wicked man, uh, and he caused a drought to occur for three years because he transgressed God's law and turned himself and Israel to worship other gods. He was rebuked by Elijah the prophet because he was turning people to other gods, and one particular god was Baal worship, because of Jezebel, uh, the lady whom he was married to, her god was Baal, and he, instead of marrying into Israelite uh, god and Israelite lady, He decided he liked the way this lady looked, even though she didn't believe in his God, and now he's worshiping Baal. Well, there there was a situation a little into Ahab's reign that Elijah said, there's going to be three years of drought because the idolatry in this land, and it's your fault, Ahab. So he had all the prophets of Baal come up to Mount Carmel, and he had them call on their God and see if fire could come down from heaven to light up an altar. And they were there for a very long time, yelling, screaming, jumping up and down, cutting themselves, and just making a frenzy. All the while, Elijah mocked them and said, maybe your God's tired. Maybe he's on vacation. Uh, You know, maybe he's deaf and he can't hear you. And so he did that. And then uh, Elijah had three barrels of water poured on top of the altar, on top of the burnt sacrifice in a time of drought, mind you. 
He poured it all on there. He prayed one simple prayer, and the fire of God fell down and caught the altar on fire and the burnt offering, and everybody was afraid. And uh, then all those prophets of Baal were killed. And then Elijah said to Ahab, get your chariots, rain is coming. And the drought ended. Uh, So Elijah was a thorn in Ahab's side because Ahab was a wicked man. And Elijah was a prophet of God that constantly was reproving those things that were wrong. Maybe you, listener, have lived a habitually wicked life and you know better than to live like that. The question is, what will you do with the mercy of God that's extended to you? So we're looking at this man, Ahab. You may find some similarities to yourself. So let's, can, let's start here. The first uh, six verses of 1 Kings chapter 20, we see Ahab caving in to pressure. Ahab had a quick submission to the tyrant Ben-Hadad, and Ben-Hadad was uh, the king of Syria at that time. So this is approximately four years after Elijah warned Ahab of the drought. So between that time, that Mount Carmel defeat of the prophets of Baal happened, which I had spoken about. And you think that after seeing that, Ahab would appeal to God after seeing his mighty power uh, against the prophets of Baal. But instead of doing that, he was scared when he was threatened by Ben-Hadad and he caved. Samaria, which was where Ahab was residing right now as king over Israel, Samaria was the city he was in, and Samaria had been under siege and weakened greatly, uh, which really emboldened emboldened Ben-Hadad to make terms for surrender to Ahab. And that's where we come in to this little place here. Ben-Hadad came against Samaria with 32 other kings and a huge army uh, against Ahab. These 32 other kings were probably just ones that came under submission to Syria. Uh, instead of being these other kingdoms being killed off, they thought, well, it's going to be better off for us if we just join Syria. So I can't say that their allegiance was a heartfelt allegiance. It was more probably an allegiance out of fear. Nevertheless, 32 kings and a large army coming against Samaria. And Benadad, he was a bully. We read in the third verse of 1 Kings chapter 20, Your silver and your gold are mine, says Benadad. Your best wives and children also are mine. And then in the the fourth verse, he says, the, the king of Israel, Ahab, answers and says, as you say, my Lord, O King, I am yours and all that I have. So here comes Benadad bullying Ahab and saying, everything's yours, silver and gold, everything that's yours, it's mine. Your wives are mine. Your children are mine. And Ahab just kind of caves in. Ahab seems to bow to everything so readily except the true God. He has trouble bowing to God, the God of heaven. So after Ahab caved, then Benadad pursued some more. So. Ahab says, okay, whatever you say, king. And then Benadad comes to him and basically says, do you remember what I said? Now I'm going to come and plunder your house and the house of your servants. So besides the silver and gold that are mine, your best wives and children, I'm going to come into your house and to all your servants' houses. I'm going to take whatever else I want. So the, the, the moral of this story right here is you give an inch to the devil or you give an inch to evil. And he will keep pushing and taking more. There's never a stop to the bullying of the devil himself. There's never a stop to his conquest. He wants to conquer and destroy. His oppression never ceases. So you become enslaved all the more, the more that you give in. And that's what we find here in Ahab. He gave in and he's going to be enslaved all the more. So he caved. Let me ask you this. 
Has there been times where temptation and trial has come your way? You know you shouldn't go that route, but you just feel like maybe you didn't have the strength or I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what you think, but you caved. Instead of doing what you thought was the highest good, the thing you thought you ought to do, you caved because of the pressure. Is that you, dear listener? Well, maybe, maybe as we go on, you may find some help here. But then we find after he first caved, Ahab had this kind of second thought obedience. Ahab's second thought came after his caving in. So it seems that the knowledge of Ben-Hadad, the Syrian oppressive tyrant against Israel, requiring more than he originally agreed, that Ahab originally agreed to Ben-Hadad about, it started to give Ahab somewhat of, of a pang of conscience. He, he was like, I said yes the first thing, but now it just seems like you're just going for more and more and more, and it's never going to stop. I would say to you, dear listener, pay attention to your second thoughts after you consent to wrong. It's not too late. If you failed, if you've sinned, if you've done the wrong thing, you can't say, well, I've gone too far now. I might as well just keep going. Be like, be like Ahab, where after a little while, you come to your senses and you think, wait a second, I can't keep doing this. Something's not right. Pay attention to the second thoughts you may have, even after you've caved to wrong. So after Ahab caved, then Ben-Hadad pursued even more. And he goes, Ahab goes to the elders and says, you know, I agreed to Ben-Hadad that he could take my silver gold, the best of our wives and our children. But then he said he wanted to come into my house and in your houses and plunder and take whatever he wants. And the elder's response was, don't consent to him. Don't say yes to him. So Ahab still, after you know having this council with his elders, Ahab still said that he would do what he first agreed to, which was you can have the silver, gold, the best of our wives and our children, but you cannot come in and plunder our houses. I, you should never give an inch to evil. Never give an inch to temptation. Never give an inch to the devil. There's somewhere in the Proverbs that says something to the effect of hell is never satisfied. The hunger is continual and there is never a bottom. You've heard of the expression bottomless pit. Well, there's a bottomless hell and evil temptation and the devil comes from this place. If you give an inch, there's still yet more for you to sink to. It'll never ever stop. So Ahab really didn't do them any great service by saying, I'm going to uphold the first thing that I agreed to you on, because he should have never agreed to that in the first place, but he did, and that's where he's at. So here we find Ahab uh, uh, saying, I- I'll keep the first part, but I'm going to say no to the second part. I guess it's commendable in some sense that he said no to the second part, but he should have said no altogether. Well, Benadad really didn't like that, and the anger of Benadad was stirred at Ahab's refusal. And I just want to tell you, dear listener, that you should know that all hell is going to come against you as soon as you set your will to do right and to follow after God. So don't give in right when it's crucial. So many times people, it's like they start to follow after God and and things get hard and then they back out. Right when it counts, they back out. And I'm saying to you, dear listener, don't do that. Do not back out. Stand tall. Stand firm. God will come to your aid. If you are going to walk to him, he will come to you and give you grace and help and power. Well, Benedad, after 
Ahab's refusal instructs his army to take their positions now. All right, army, take your positions right now. So in the middle of that, and probably Ahab and his scouts and whoever, they knew, okay, this is not going to go so well for us now that I said this. There's assurance of God granting victory to Ahab's refusal to cave to Benadad. And we find that through a prophet of God in the 13th verse of 1 Kings chapter 20. The prophet says, Thus says the Lord, Have you seen all this great multitude? Behold, I will give it into your hand this day, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And it's estimated that there is about 130,000 men that make up this multitude. And the prophet is telling them, Haven't you seen these 130,000 men? Behold, I'll give it into your hand this day, and you shall know that I am the Lord. That's the word of God through the prophet to Ahab and to Israel. Ahab, naturally, after this is like, well, how in the world is that going to happen? We've got tons and tons of people that are here against us. How are we going to win against so great an army? And then God tells him through the prophets, or through this prophet, you're going to win by the servants of the provincial governors. And those servants were likely pages or scribes. So they were not really highly trained warriors. They really didn't understand military endeavors. But it was to be known that God's intervention was to save them and not the might of men. They were up against a wall and God wanted to prove himself strong on behalf of Israel. So God still works like this in these days. He oftentimes brings us up to the end of ourselves before help comes. Because then we can't go away and boast as if it's somehow my strength or power that got me out of this. So he's got these inexperienced scribes or pages, and then he's got 7,000 soldiers against 130,000 of the enemy troops. And God says, this is how we're going to win. So at noon, in the heat of the day, which wasn't really normal, uh, that's when uh, not when battles would normally be fought uh, because of their armor. And them wearing their armor in the intense heat, it would have just wiped them out physically. They would not have been able to fight. They usually would kind of rest and take their their campaigning battles in the springtime. Uh, But the Syrians at this point were likely taking their siesta, not ready for an attack, especially from uh, Samaria, whom they had been sieging, uh, underfed, you know, under, uh, they didn't have the military uh, personnel and all that. So Benadad and his troops, they probably weren't really that concerned about an attack. And on top of that, the Bible tells us that Benadad and his princes were drunk. So here comes the Israelites' provincial governors and the 7,000 soldiers and taking them off guard. Ahab's company advanced, uh, but they weren't perceived as a threat with such a small number. But they attacked, and God blessed in spite of those impossible circumstances. And they wiped out loads of the Syrian enemies there. The prophet, after this victory, you you can imagine the Israelites were elated at what happened and were so thankful for the deliverance that God had given them. The prophet then warns Ahab and the people of Israel. And uh, he says, no doubt next spring, the Syrians are going to return to avenge themselves. So be thankful for the victory, but also uh, don't be all pride and full of pride and thinking that everything's going to be fine because they're going to come back with vengeance. The Syrians, we we read in the Bible, they said, well, the reason that 
the Israelites won is because the Israelites' God, he was a God of the hills, and that's why they won. But they would draw the Israelites, or at least this was their plan, to draw the Israelites out into the plains because Israel's God only has power in the hills and not power in the plains. So they thought, well, maybe if we just draw them out of the hills, then we'll have a chance against them. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the world, and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. So God blessed the obedience of Ahab, those provincial governors, the 7,000 men that went up against 130,000. And I just want to encourage you, no matter what you're facing, no matter the impossible-looking odds, excuse me, that you are facing, trust God. Take steps out in faith and in obedience and pursue after Him. God will come to your aid. The problem is, oftentimes, we look at the problems that are in front of us and think, there's no way I can make it. It's not going to happen. God doesn't want you to trust in your power and might. He wants you to trust in His. Do you think God can save you from a wicked life? Do you think do you think that God can change you and make you a new person or do you think there's just there's no hope I've done too much and I'm just kind of stuck in it Jesus would say according to your faith be it unto you So we see the blessing of that obedience Ahab and his army they went up God gave this miraculous deliverance the Syrians fled and Benedad fled and he and he went out of the way But they were starting already to make a plan and saying the only reason that they won is because their God is a God of the hills. But we're going to come back and fight them in the plains and then we'll win. So then we move to the 26th, from the 26th to the 34th verse of 1 Kings chapter 20. And we see the continued blessing of obedience there. And we see God coming through for Ahab a second time to defend his name above a mere man-made God, which that would be the Syrian gods. So we're told in the Bible the following spring, there was an attack from the Syrians. Israel was greatly outnumbered. And in verse 27 of this chapter, the people of Israel were mustered and were provisioned and went against them. But listen to this. The people of Israel encamped before the Syrians, like two little flocks of goats, but the Syrians filled the entire country. What is that? How does that help us? Well, it's instructive. Even if, dear listener, you take the steps of obedience to walk toward God and God gives you a measure of victory, don't don't become too prideful in thinking, well, Uh, Praise the Lord. Uh, He helped me. Now I can just move along. You need God every step of the way. Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. And we have to learn that lesson sometimes by hard knocks. We We don't have to learn it by hard knocks, but oftentimes, because we're careless, we end up having to go back through some terrible situation again that brings us to the same point. 
where we feel like we're a little flock of goats and then our enemies are surrounding us on every side with thousands upon thousands and even millions against us. And that's what happened. The Syrians mustered up all of their forces and came back just like the prophet said, next spring, they, they are probably going to come back and they're going to attack you. So Israel was greatly outnumbered. Verse 28, we read, And a man of God came near and said to the king of Israel, Thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have, say, have said, The Lord is a God of the hills, but he's not a God of the valleys. Therefore, I will give all this great multitude into your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So here, it's like we find God saying, I'm going to come through for you again, but I'm not going to do it because you have any worth uh, in and of yourselves because of your great wickedness that you've done. Um, I'm doing it because my name is going to be dragged in the dust in the midst of all the nations. And I'm doing it because they said, I can defeat this God if we just bring him out into the plains. And God was trying to show his mighty strength against their made-up and man-made God. But nevertheless, they had a promise. As they continued to just step in obedience to God, he would give them the victory. They had to do the stepping out in obedience. So Israel went ahead in obedience, and the Syrians were struck down. We're told that the people of Israel themselves killed 100,000 troops, and then it seems to be 27,000 Uh, Syrian troops were killed by some miraculous collapsing walls of a nearby city of Aphek where some of the Syrians had fled to. So that's instructive to us. As we go forward and we fight against sin, we fight against the devil, we fight against the world, and we fight against evil, God is going to say, I'm going to help you and give you the victory, and we're going to have to put in effort toward that end. And he's going to give us grace and power to do it. But he also may help us through some kind of miraculous intervention. Notice it's not one or the other, it's both. And I'm not not saying that God can't just step in and take care of everything, but oftentimes he, he he wants us to partner with him because in partnering, we build character, we learn who God is, and we take responsibility for our own actions. And really, faith is not faith except we act. So it's like God gives them that that boost of encouragement, and he gives us a boost of encouragement so that we step out in faith on his words, believing and acting, and then he comes through. And that's what happened here with the Syrians. God came through and struck them down. So here we had where Ahab caved when Ben-Hadad was a bully and came to him. And then Ben-Hadad tried to take more from Ahab, and then he had second thoughts and said, wait a second, He's just going too far. And his elders say, don't do it. So he says, I'm not going to do what you said. Then Ben-Hadad gets angry and starts to war against them. And then a prophet says, I'm going to, God said he's going to come through for you. And Ahab says, well, how's that going to happen? Well, it's going to (laughs) happen, humanly speaking, by a way that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You're going to get some scribes and pages and 7,000 men to go against 130,000. God gave him the victory. God can give you the victory if you step out in obedience. If you say no to evil, you say no to temptation, you say no to the devil, the grace of God is going to come to your aid, dear listener. And then when the devil rears up to try and come back again for a second attack, just like he did with the, with the Syrians here, God will come through. He'll come through to prove himself strong on behalf of those that walk in obedience and that trust him. 
He will come through for you even when the devil starts to muster up his forces and try and go again for another attack. He will come through for you. And God blessed when that happened with Ahab and the Assyrians came back. That is for you. But there's also a warning here in the account of Ahab. There is then the curse of partial obedience. So here, the Syrians are defeated, and we find something terrible that happens. The oppressive Syrians, now they say, we've heard that Israel and Israel's army, they're a merciful people. So why don't we just go to them? These are some of um, Benedad's you know, top army generals or leaders, some of those other kings. Why don't we just go to him and seek mercy? We've heard they're merciful. Maybe he'll spare us and won't kill us. So that was one plan that they had. And Ahab, he talks to Ben-Hadad eventually. And we read in verse 34 that Ben-Hadad said to Ahab, the cities that my father took from your father, I will restore. And you may establish bazaars for yourself in Damascus, as my father did in Samaria. And Ahab said, I will let you go on these terms. So Ahab made a covenant with Ben-Hadad and let him go. Dear listener, when God brings evil to destruction in your life and is trying to pull you up and out of the, the depth of sin and madness that you're in, don't make a covenant or a compromise with evil like Ahab. God miraculously helped Ahab and the Israelites against impossible odds. Then Benadad comes up and says, have mercy on me. I'll let you do this and let you do that. Who gave him that authority in the first place? I'll let you have these back. If Ahab had taken care of Benadad, he would have had those things anyways. And it's the same with us. The devil will come and say, oh, if this happens or this happens, I'll give you the, this kind of measure of victory or things will be a little bit better in your life. No, I want full victory. Whoever wants to follow after Jesus Christ, their desire is that they should have full victory, not partial victory and not partial obedience. Full victory comes by full obedience, not partial obedience. Don't make a covenant with the devil. He's not trustworthy. He's a liar and the father of lies. So the pro a prophet came and gave a sign then. A man uh, was asked to hit the prophet in, in obedience to God, and the man refused. And the prophet said, well, when you leave from me, then a lion is going to destroy you. And that happened. So then the prophet turns and asks another man, you hit me. This man, probably seeing what happened, said, okay. And he went and hit the prophet. And then the prophet was wounded. And he try, was trying to show in the sign the difference between obedience and disobedience to a command of God. So then the prophet goes and speaks to Ahab in a very sly manner to try and get Ahab's judgment on somewhat of a similar manner. And the prophets have done this throughout the scriptures. In verse 39, we read, And as the king passed, this prophet cried to the king and said, Your servant went out into the midst of the battle. And behold, a soldier turned and brought out a man to me and said, Guard this man, if by any man's he is missing, your life shall be for his life, or else you shall pay a talent of silver. And as your servant was busy here and there, he was gone. The king of Israel, hearing this, said to him, so shall your judgment be. You yourself have decided it. In other words, well, you let him go, so you reap the reward and the punishment for what you did. Verse 42, we read the prophet's response. He said to him, thus says the Lord, because you have let go out of your hand the man, that is Benedad, whom I had devoted to destruction, 
Therefore, your life shall be for his life and your people for his people. So here we find the judgment against Ahab because of his partial obedience. So dear listener, where are you in this spectrum? Are you in partial obedience as the judgment of God against you? God will give you grace and victory if you fully obey him. It doesn't matter how far you've turned from God. It does not matter how wicked and evil you've been, or it doesn't even matter how evil or wicked you currently are. If you turn to God and cry out to him in repentance and faith, giving your whole life over to him without reserve, Jesus will not fail you. God will not fail you. If you partially obey, you're going to have a sad story like Ahab, a sad story of defeat and failure like Ahab the king. That's not what God wants for you, but it's up to you, dear listener. It's in your hands. It's your responsibility. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email gods.resistance at gmail.com. I want you to introduce yourself and set up a time to meet with me, and then I want to coach and help you further in your walk with God. Make sure to like and follow our social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for teaching and preaching and connecting with others that are on their journey. Tell your friends about this broadcast every Sunday at 9 a.m. and social media. But above all, join the resistance, God's resistance. Special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creative commons dot org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.